0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. group prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers daily podcast. wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hello, and welcome to Footballist the Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. Uh, Josh can't be with us this week for enigmatic reasons. So, we are joined by the wonderful Ricky Lawrence. Hi, Ricky. Evening, Boyd. And the equally wonderful Adam Bernstein, uh, Twitter controversialist, himself hi adam
3: good Evening, evening how are you doing
2: good how are you yeah very good still still doing um baldest jokes about 10 hog this time on your twitter feed i noticed
3: I've, I've been a reformed character i tried not to say anything because i always fear coming on here and i'm um, <laughs> having to justify myself to you, <laughs> you no
2: know, i it's 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 fine you know that. i love your baldest jokes they're great that's fine um how are you? How are you doing?
3: I'm good. I thought it was a great performance. I'm sure we're going to get into that.
2: But, yes. Um, I'm yes. very good. We'll get into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we start, I need to a, a shout out to um, uh, a guy I met at the Emirates on Sunday. Um, I think he was called Neil. Yes, he was called Neil. And as I was tucking into my fish and chips on club level um, pre-match, he came over to me and sat alone. So he was a huge fan of the podcast, and um, so um, shout out to him. And it it, it does um, it is lovely when people come up to you and say they like the podcast because it makes it all seem even more worthwhile than it obviously is, considering we've been doing it for like twenty years now. Um, so Ricky, you Ricky and Adam, you were both at the game, I guess. Uh, no, I, I actually wasn't. I actually wasn't at the game
1: no. yesterday. Um, I share my season together, this season, which I'm obviously regretting, given our star. But uh, the other the other guy shared. We've had the ticket yesterday, so yeah.
2: Oh, did you get to watch it on a? Uh, I did. I found screen.
1: Yeah, no, actually got lucky. Um, fine. Yeah, managed to watch the whole game. No issues, really. Excellent, excellent.
2: Adam, you were there. You're staunch. You're, you are you you go away quite a lot as well, don't you, Adam? Still,
3: I do. I um I actually flew back from Amsterdam on Sunday morning to um, wow. to uh, ensure I could make it to the game. But very worthwhile.
2: Yeah. So you witnessed the worst performance of the season and possibly the best or one of the best performances within the space of a few days.
3: Yeah, agreed. And um, I think that was kind of why it came as a bit of a surprise coming off the back of quite a few slightly shaky performances to, to play that well and be that um, dominant kind of almost throughout was um, extremely impressive.
2: What was it like in, in uh, the Eindhoven game though? What was the atmosphere like? What, was it, um, how, what did you feel about that performance first?
3: Uh, I thought we were very, I, I don't know, it, it's kind of a hard one to tell because on the one hand, you can sort of sit there and go, Eindhoven scored five goals. And on the other hand, you can sit there and go, actually, we played a really good offside trap, and that's why they scored three goals, which were offside. But I just never really felt we quite got going there. Um, like, just sort of, I never got, like, a we're in this game. Where we're, It was a kind of small stadium. They were really up for it. I actually was very impressed by PSV as well, um, from what I could see with the slightly restricted view seats. Um,
2: but oh, I, yeah. really? how restricted yeah. was how restricted was your view?
3: I would say there was a significant portion of the pitch which it was difficult to see. Wow, wow.
2: You <laughs> um, go all the way. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You go all the way there on, you know, and as a staunch uh, Arsenal fan, and you have a restricted view. That is that is a blow, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it sort of almost felt to me like one of those old school European away games from about ten years ago that it was just sort of complete free for all about where you were sitting, and as we hadn't got there early. Was sort of up near the back where you just really couldn't see very much um which i sort of forgotten happened
2: yeah what nightmare
1: i actually you- was at uh, leeds and i had similar i was at the back row of uh, ellen road and i had to crouch down to see the other half of the pitch uh which i mean i was gonna say it was really annoying having spent you know a fair amount of day traveling there but obviously it wasn't quite flying to a different country so i can't really complain so
2: Leeds is quite far, though. It's quite far. Fair. I'm going to Leeds on Monday, actually. If the on the day on the day of the train strike, I'm supposed to be giving a talk to some students, media students, on Monday, and it is the day of the train strike. So we'll see if I make it. But did you did you watch the the oneran game as well, Ricky? Because it was interesting. Because Martin Keown, I don't know if you watched it on BT Sport, Martin Keown's halftime analysis was all about how brilliant our offside trap was, which I thought was quite funny.
1: Yeah, I did watch it, and I've been quite. I mean go into the fact that there isn't really anything to criticize us about this season or etc about which may make for a short, pod, short podcast but i have been a bit critical of how strong a team and squadry really has taken to the european games mm. um especially given our start uh i thought and i want to say should have thrown the game on thursday but it did look like a game where one team had to win and the other team were probably happy to either get a draw or basically just not get injured and, yeah, I think he probably could have gone, you know what, let's get beat by PSV. And I, I think he probably would have, had a, would have done if we were playing Chelsea yesterday rather than Nottingham Forest. I think that he probably thought, you know, let's go out, get a point, and then we can play all three of us, for example, next Thursday. But I, I think he probably got that wrong. But, again, it's easy to say of hindsight.
2: It's interesting, isn't it, what did you Because because there is the, the real. I mean, we're doing brilliantly, right? We're top of the league. It's extraordinary. Two points out of Man City, whose strikers scoring thousands of goals, etc., etc., and you have a squad worth one point two billion, and one of the greatest managers in the world, and we are above them in the league. But at the same time, as as Ricky alludes to, there is this kind of team selection dilemma we're going through, isn't there? I feel like whereby. He rests in the European games. He's resting four or five players and the four or five players who take their place are clearly not quite good enough to ensure that we can win those games. I mean, well, the Ironhaven game being the example of it, I guess. Um, So it's like a weird situation. Does he, do you think he should rest more players for the European games? And, and, and and with the knowledge that the backup players aren't really good enough to make sure that we win all those games
1: in theory or are should are he you do- asking, if you're gonna, is he going to rest Reece Nelson on Thursday for, for the Chelsea game?
2: Right. Oh, well, it's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Saka apparently, Saka's injury, by the way, apparently is is not too bad at all. And may well, I'm sure, I bet Saka will be playing in that Chelsea game. Okay. I wouldn't even be surprised. I know it's insane, but I wouldn't be surprised if he puts him in the squad in the European game. But we'll see. But Adam, what do you think about the whole, should he, shouldn't he rest players situation?
3: So ordinarily I think I'd completely agree with Ricky I think it's a very weird season for two reasons one being the obvious one that that's the World Cup in the middle of it. but the other one being that we also had I think like one game in a month or two games in a month because the Queen died so I so you know for example when Martinelli started at home um against I think was I think he started at home against Bodo normally I'd have been like why the hell is this guy playing on that but he, you know he really hadn't played a lot in the previous months so you kind of sat there going well actually it kind of makes sense for him to play um you might get a lot out of it and uh I don't know I think we've sort of been a little bit unlucky in the sense that um Bodo quite a tricky side to go away to they had an extremely good homemaker before and this PSV side have actually been surprisingly quite good so despite it being a Europa League group I don't think it's it's just been as weak as some of the teams we've played in the past in the group stage where really you could have almost played anybody I remember Vengan playing sort of Reese Nelson. Of right wing back and that sort of thing and and doing quite well from it. So ordinarily I'd be with Mickey here. I've been I am slightly more relaxed about it. I think the difficulty is we're still not quite sure how good our territory is at rotating. And it feels like you look at the second half of the season, you look at how this Man City game was called off for us to be able to play PSV the other week at the Emirates, that we are going to have to do a lot of these guys playing three games a week against Premier League opposition who are arguably better than Europa League opposition. And we're just gonna really struggle.
2: Yeah, what do you think? It's interesting, Ricky. Was it because he did he was asked about it in, in interviews last week, Arteta? And he basically came out and said quite controversially that the players have to get used to playing two or three games a week, don't they? He kind of like he was like, No excuses, they should be able to cope with it. Um, I'm not gonna tell them they're allowed to be tired. And I felt like it was quite I quite thought that was quite a good thing for him to say, whether he believes it or not, because wouldn't you rather have him instilling them psych- the psychological confidence that they can cope with this level of a uh, number of games this season or, you know, go the other way. Cause meanwhile, Pep Guardiola, who I guess knows what he's doing. He was, he was complaining about his 1.2 billion squad being stretched and knackered and tired, And he said that they barely had, he was really funny. He said they barely had, you know, energy to lift up their mobile phones and check on Instagram. Um, So it's quite an interesting contrast in the way the two of them are handling this whole kind of idea of resting players.
1: Yeah, I think the the thing for me, and I I agree with Adam, that our our group hasn't been easy. But I said to friends the other day that he's sort of played these players into the ground, which is probably a bit extreme. But I also go back to last season where players were out on their legs. And it wasn't his his fault. Unless you put all signings down to him, in fact, we didn't make enough. It wasn't his fault except, you know, you'd love to be able to say, Saka, play one game a week. Saka hasn't need, you know, he's played loads of football. He probably hasn't needed to play in any of these Europa League games, but he has done, whereas players, you know, like De Bruyne, Kane, you know, the list goes on and on. They're playing in the Champions League, and you can understand why they have to play all these minutes, whereas for us, just take advantage of the fact that we're in a weaker tournament, and probably roll the dice a bit more, play, you know, even... I feel like he's subbed off, like, La every Europa League game. Maybe he hasn't every Europa League game, but he's subbed him off a fair bit, and you think, leave him on you know he's one of the ones that doesn't matter if he plays because not going to play at the weekend um marquinhos has come off that's what's frustrating me but i'm not looking to criticize it's just probably been the only thing you can criticize him for i think the big thing for me is we've probably only really had one game where you're really frustrated because i think everyone probably agreed that we did all right right against united and we were unlucky but southampton which i just feel like if we hadn't have played a, a strong team against psv Probably pick up all three points, but our players look tired. I also thought I know this isn't a Southampton uh, podcast, but he um he made the wrong subs in that game. But it cost us the fact that we you know players have played too many minutes. I think three days prior, rather than having a rest, especially because Southampton, had a game that week as well because it was, would would have been a you know uh, a round of Premier League fixtures. But obviously we got the win against PSV that week and we lost the, per- the week after. So maybe if we hadn't have played a good enough team and lost against PSV at home, then we would be having a different conversation. It's really hard at the end of the day. And it's very easy with hindsight to say he played this player when he shouldn't have done and he played this one for too many minutes. So, um, you know, it's it's unfair. But we just too heavily.
2: No, I, I, think it's, I think it's totally fair. I think it's fair to kind of ask the question, isn't it? Because it is, it is as you say, it's the only... Thing you could fought him for this season Adam isn't it it's like you know we're top of the league we're top of the we're top of our group we've, we've qualified we just want to win the group um but apart from that and you know we played a, we played really well against you know an admittedly terrible Nottingham Forest team apart from a couple of defensive errors won five nil after that defeat in Europe, you know, we've re- we've kind of bounced back from that immediately, as we bounced back from the setback against Man United as well. So, the it is to labour the point. It is only this whole whole issue of how much does he, you know, ha- it's almost like because he knows his first team so well. That team that played against Forest is clearly the first team, isn't it? It's like that, you know, in, in every sense, those are his, those those are the players he picks first. So when two or three of them. Aren't playing. It's definitely going to have an effect, isn't it? It's the question. It's the question of whether. I mean, some people think he should, should he should um, drop more players for the league games. And you know, I've seen Gros, for example on Twitter, who's always been complained about the the fact that Arteta doesn't rotate enough. He thinks he should rotate more in the league. I don't feel that way. I feel like that would be outrageous thing to do if he suddenly started rotating the league.
3: The, the thing which I think is interesting about the Europa League compared to the Champions League is if you play Champions League, you might play Tuesday or Wednesday night and then you'll play Saturday or maybe even Sunday. Whereas you look at and we actually played extremely well against Forest. We played Thursday evening and then played Sunday lunchtime. And that's just a much tighter turnaround. And you always have that turnaround. And I'm not a doctor or a physio or whatever. But to me, that strikes me as something which is going to be harder on on you as an athlete than it would be to have, you know, at least three or four days' rest. And that I suppose is the big difference, apart from the level of opposition about why actually if you're playing Champions League, it's probably easier to play twice a week than if you're playing Europa League.
2: Yeah. Someone did point out I mean that Saka had a really good game until his injury, Ricky, didn't he? And and he obviously no, he didn't really well. he didn't play. That was one of the few times he hasn't played in, in Europe. Um
1: he did, he, did, he did come on, didn't he? He
2: came on, yeah, he did come yeah. on. They all came on. Everyone
1: came
2: right? on, didn't they? Yeah. Everyone came on, yeah, of course. Yeah, completely. Um but it was but he, you know he doesn't he didn't look he doesn't look tired, does he? He doesn't look um, you know I mean how would you know but no. I think go on, yeah
1: so I, I think he didn't look tired but the problem is and I'm always quite wary of this and I probably sound a bit uh silly but like it's not just tiredness it's the ability to pick up an injury so mm. the last thing we want is Saka playing on Thursday night for example fresh as a daisy if he was but and then someone makes a bad tackle and he's out for a month or two months or three months or he breaks his leg whatever there is always, and I know you could say that. You know, you could break your leg at any point, at any time. But if they're sitting at home, they can't break their leg. And I just feel like that. You know, even on Thursday, he didn't necessarily need to chase the game. He could have gone. Do you know what? This game's done. Leave Jay on the bench. Leave Sack on the bench. I know it's very, very. It would have been difficult to do that, and he probably would have got to stick for that as well. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not looking to criticise Arteta. I think it's just that. He, could probably box a bit more clever and yes yeah, saka did look saka did look really good on sunday and that's the problem is that half time we're one nil up i thought we weren't fantastic in the first half and our best player got injured and we were throwing reese nelson the drop-off is so big and i know i say that now after mm-hmm. reese nelson goes on and scores two goals and gets an assist but at that point i was a little bit concerned because of our previous premier league games we looked tired in the second half and weren't good and we just lost our best player and we were bringing on someone who, up until Sunday, I not think I'd seen play well for Arsenal. And I was concerned. So it's not just being fresh, it's about not being injured. And I think that's almost just as important because are, are we, I we, I don't understand you said about someone saying that we can rotate in the league. I don't know. Other than maybe Zinchenko and Tierney and Ben White and Tommy Esso, who else could we rotate? Oh, no, I agree with you. I agree with no, you. No, I know you yeah, won't agree. I, I, can't, yeah, yeah. I can't get my head around it.
2: I, I, I think... I I don't I don't even I think actually think his level of rotation in Europe has kind of has has been about right. You know I think like I think he's judged it pretty brilliantly considering you know we are going to qualify, and I I do think there's a big drop off between you know Jesus and Ketia, for example, and Holding and Saliba or whatever or whoever you know even Gabrielle who we know is. You know, prone to prone to some mistakes. As he made it. He, he almost gifted them a goal on uh, Sunday, didn't he? But I think there's a big drop off. But as you said, it's not the Champions League, and I think he's is making a calculated, taking calculated risk in these games. I think if he started playing any of those players at all, unless we got players injured in in the in the Premier League, he, people would be astonished. People would be, wouldn't they? But I did think interestingly, you brought up you know um, Reese Nelson coming on. The interesting thing was that substitution, I thought that was a surprising substitution. I thought, I assumed he was going to bring on Eddie and Ketia, you know, and to play wide or whatever. But it was turned out to be genius, one of the great substitutions of all time, didn't it? I mean, absolutely extraordinary. Who would have guessed? Who would have known?
1: I thought it was going to be Vieira. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I was very surprised. And someone else in Ketia, I I thought Vieira. And I would say... The only player that has worried me that has featured a little bit more is Vieira because I think the last three games, four games, he's, he's probably looked a bit concerningly bad. But it, it, it's early days, of course. I'm not writing off for one second. But I think when you describe the drop off of our players, I don't think it's big. I think it's absolutely huge, and it is a concern because I think we are one injury away in most positions from it. But I know everyone. This isn't news, but we are. You know, Jaijufto and Keta is huge. Um, Saka to Reece Nelson, and I don't think Reese Nelson necessarily is the next player in, but it's huge. Uh, the centre backs drop off unless you okay. You can play Tommy Yasu probably a right back, and Ben White can swing centre back. That's massive. Our goalkeeper is uh, drop off is is probably massive as well. That is the concern. That is the one concern we've got. Very lucky this season, we haven't had an injury, and really we've got two more games to get through, and then hopefully you know come as soon as as soon as we can. I know we've got still got Boxing Day fixtures and whatnot, but we need to sign players quickly because we are two or three injuries away or two or three players getting injured away from this season sort of going in a completely different direction.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Adam, what did you make of the um, the recent substitution and, and, and the whole drop-off theory?
3: Um well, f- well I actually think it kind of spoke to that, that exact point that the squad and we sort of knew this when we went into the season that we uh, made the decision not to sign Douglas Costa at the price where wanted we were probably at least one or two short sure. if you I mean for, like I'm delighted for Nelson it went well for him but if you can make him into an option and he can be like a viable option off the bench and someone who can play a reasonable number of minutes that's like a really big thing I think last time I was on this pod we've just been hammered away at um not hammered but you know thoroughly beaten away to Crystal Palace and we were talking about whether Eddie could come in and Eddie did come in and made a real impact towards the end of our season he probably isn't you know an absolutely top player but you look at Liverpool who are probably the team who we're trying to emulate we're never going to be City in terms of the amount of spending and they got like really telling contributions out of people like Divock Origi and Shaqiri who are pretty average players and if we can do the same out of people like Eddie Nketiah and Reese Nelson, and they can make quite telling contributions, not you know they're not going to be the players who are going to take us to the next level, but who can be useful squad players and, and contribute quite a lot. I think that could be really helpful. And not to get too into like, oh, we should run this club like a business, blah, blah, blah. But the other thing Liverpool have done extremely well is actually sell players and get good money for people who are quite limited players. Um, Nico Williams came on for Forest with about 15 minutes left. I've seen him play a few times I think he's an extremely limited footballer they got 17 million pounds for him um if we can get Nelson in a few games in the shop window looking good this is quite cynical if you could sell him for 20 or 25 million pounds that's like a real thing which you can then use as Ricky says to to spend if not in January at some point in the future um to bolster the squad so I was happy for Nelson you know I really hope he kicks on and does well for Arsenal but if not kind of hope that he can be something which we've not done well in terms of selling players actually bring some bring some money in and, and trade
2: up. Yeah, I think that comparison with Liverpool is really interesting because I, I I was thinking on on Sunday watching the game that we are the new Liverpool in many ways. Like, you know, I mean partly because we are the only team we're we're challenging Man City and we're doing it in a in a you know in a kind of more you know we're we're doing it with our own spending money in the same way in a similar way to Liverpool does, you know, not through not through having a massive oil-based um, Middle Eastern country uh, running us. But, you know, there's something kind of slightly more authentic about the way we we, we pay, buy players and kind of the way we play, in a way, against Liverpool at their best. You know, Liverpool's collapse this season is a massive boost, isn't it, as well, Ricky? Like, that is such an unexpected gift. You know, there's almost like two massive, unexpected gifts. One is that we're brilliant and we're, we've won all these games and we're top of the league. But on top of that, we've taken the place of Liverpool as being Man City's closest challenges. It's kind of incredible.
1: Yeah. Is it too um, getting carried away to say it's a shame they're doing so badly because maybe they could challenge Spurs. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, top four. And, you know, obviously we're going to be so far ahead of everyone. Yeah.
2: But, well, they're playing know, Spurs they're this bad weekend, aren't they? I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, they are. Yeah. We've got you know, Chelsea, they've got Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll talk more. We'll talk more about this and the game itself. We haven't actually talked that much about the game itself. We will. And predictions. And uh, I want to ask Adam about how excited he is for Aston Villa's new manager uh, all after this break. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: And we're back from the break. Um, so let's talk about... The- the, the game specifically, the five 0 triumph. Um, we did. Th- You're right, Ricky. The first half wasn't brilliant, was it? And in fact, the thing happened in the first half was we went one nil up. Like, we start every single game, even the Eindhoven game. Well, like that's our new thing, isn't it? And I think, like, I- I'm I'm pretty sure that last season we didn't start games well particularly often. Like, it took us a while to get into games. It was almost like the opposite situation. Now we're straight in there. We go hell for the leather. We create chances within the first few minutes. I'm almost like surprised if we don't score in the first few minutes of games. But then when we do, in the last few weeks at least, to, again to be slightly hypercritical, we kind of end up losing momentum some way towards the middle or end of the first half, often. And often they the opposition have chances, as actually, you know, Nottingham Forest did. Most of them gifted by some dodgy defending. Am I being slightly harsh? But, you know, but then the second half, we took over. But the first half, there was definitely that flaw, wasn't there? That we didn't kind of maintain our domination throughout the whole of the first half.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's like all football clubs, the better you do, the more expectations rise. So if yeah. that game was nil and at half time, we'd probably be going to be a bit disappointed, but, you know, we'll come out second half and we'll probably win. Whereas now we go one and up, it's like, why are we not winning 2 0? Um, yeah, which is an age of the beast, really. But I do agree. I think, and it's also because of Southampton, we were uncomfortable. We end up drawing leads. We were not comfortable, but we were. We were the second first half was even. The second half was, you know, like nothing I think any of us have seen for various reasons. um So I think that was probably in the back of a lot of fans' minds. But we start we start games so well. It's just like unbelievable. It's a, it's a joy to watch. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the difference, I guess, between you know, not that we played the hardest of oppositions in of previous games, but Nottingham Forest were particularly bad, especially in the second half. They did not lay a glove on us and they may as well have thrown in the towel and it just was so easy. I mean, every time we got the ball looked like we were gonna go forward and score. So I think, you know, I don't want to say if we were playing against the higher opposition, we might have been tested like we were in the previous two games, but we weren't, and we just you know, just killed them off, really, didn't we?
2: Yeah. The other slight um hyper being hypercritical, um, issue adam i guess is that even when we scored five goals um uh jesus was not one of the scorers and hasn't scored what for now five games I think? Seven. Seven, seven games seven games that i mean but he was was the official man of the match he was certainly one of the contenders man match. and i thought he had some amazing i like watching him i know it's a bit of a cliche how hard he works but it is ex- a, amazing to watch him tracking back and tackling a player in our penalty area and then launching an attack himself, which almost leads to a goal, or almost does lead to a goal. He's He is, I absolutely love him What and what he does, but he's clearly not an amazing finisher, is he? I think, isn't that fair to say, Adam?
3: Yeah, I, I think that is fair. But I also think we we wanted probably 20, 25 se- goals a season guy. I actually think he probably will get that by the end of the season. But we had that before in Aubameyang, and we were not a team which could compete because we were not a sort of, Great holistic team, which could play together and you know as a system, kind of really, really worked. And I just kind of feel that we are now, and the things we used to not have, we just really that goals for midfield. Even the guys who are sensibly sit kind of deeper in our midfield, like Jacker and Party, really contributing quite a lot of goals this season. Um, so it's slightly frustrating that Jesse is going through a. a bad patch but the difference is when Lacazette was doing that last season we wouldn't score at all now we score five he's still doing so much off the ball in terms of or not just off the ball on the ball um contributing so I just think he'll come through this he'll score again he isn't the best finisher ever but that's sort of why he you know basically why Man City were willing to get rid of him and bring in Harland yeah. he's not as good as Harland don't think any of us are suggesting he is but he's still a brilliant yeah. player and we should be really happy to have him
2: yeah um Ricky, John, I don't know if you saw Jonathan Lew in the Guardian wrote a brilliant article. I thought about him saying that he's that de- clearly like a scoring one goal in three kind of player, and we just have to accept that. But he's perfect for Arsenal because of the way he is completely like a defending from the front so brilliantly. He's so on it from the start, and his creativity and his, he's you know his creation of goals for other players is is, is astonishing.
1: I think I've been I've been astounded by how good he has been. Mm. And I completely agree. Unfortunately, he's, he's clearly not a brilliant finisher, but I don't care unless we need him to score. And we only needed him to score against Southampton. It's in when he's missed chance. That's the only game where it's been frustrating that he's not a good finisher. In the other games, I don't really care if he hits three straight in the goalie when he's through on goal. If we win, and no, nor would any other Arsenal fan. Uh, you'd like to think, but he's just been incredible. Right? I mean, it was first few games I couldn't almost believe what I was watching he was just doing things which I hadn't seen an Arsenal striker do since I don't know maybe I don't, I don't know it's just it's just been absolutely fantastic and yeah he's, he's he's not a great finisher but the things he the other things he does forget even the track and back just the way he wins the ball high up the pitch the, the way he holds off defenders brings players into play is absolutely brilliant I couldn't I couldn't have asked for him to be any better other than just you know maybe maybe putting the ball in the net a couple more times but otherwise it's just been absolutely yeah. fantastic. But the, again without repeating myself, unfortunately only negative is that the drop-off last season when it was Lacazette and Enketty are playing, it was like you know, okay, who's gonna play this week doesn't really matter where it's this week it's unless Jesus starting up from then I think every Arsenal fan is going to be worried.
2: Yeah. He his his speed of thought, I think Adam, um, is 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 the thing that really I think he's so fantastic at like he He can, he can, he almost like magically works out the best out ball from when he is defending or when he's tackling one of their, their players. And some of it is just passing in his vision. And he just seems to have this kind of extrasensory perception of where everyone else is. It's, I guess that maybe that part of that is down to Pep and Pep's coaching or whatever. Um, But it is a worry, isn't it? Do you think. Do you think we need, I mean, realistically, are we going to go out and in, in the in the transfer window and try and get back up forwards and midfielders? I wonder if we really are. Adam.
3: I, I wouldn't be surprised to see us spend in the transfer window. I think we were probably we acknowledged when we went into the season at least one player short in midfield. Um I actually think it, it's clear there is a drop-off from the you know, last drop-off, as Ricky says, from Enketia to oh to, sorry, from Chizzes to Enketia. Um but I can't really see us going out and spending big money on that in the middle of the season, um, and I'm not quite sure who the guy would be anyway. Um, have it be proven wrong on that if, if if we do, but that would kind of be my hunch.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think we'll sign. Us. I, I would love us to um, someone who's a bit different. I don't know. No point necessarily looking at names, but I think we have. We I, I think we have to sign at least at least two players because I think we're like... On the wing and in midfield. In the in midfield, we're just we're a party or Chakra injury away from that's mm. it. That's it, kind of thing.
2: I Particularly mean, party, I think really, I th- I feel like party is the most kind of difficult to to um, replace player in the whole team in a way because he runs things so doesn't he? He kind of
1: no, uh, you say that, but he's I think been the only one that actually has missed some games, and I know one of them was Man United, and I don't like party's been for the most part of the season been fantastic, but. I think it's difficult to say that we miss him more than we miss Jesus. Okay. We miss him more than we miss Shaka. I mean, I've probably went on this podcast before and said probably good. this is this gives me a chance. I assume Granite does listen to this podcast. Of course. Uh, no, no, good because uh, i I've, like I can't tell you how. How mean I've been about him. Not, I would never, I'm not one of those people that abuses him actually. I mean, you weren't the only one. <laughs> no, of course, of course. I mean, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not the sort of person that, you know, I don't, I don't send him messages on Instagram or anything like that. It's just privately. Um, yeah. But I think it's almost been, been very quickly. It's just, Oh, yeah, Jack is a brilliant player for Arsenal. I think mm-hmm. I, I'd struggle to name anyone that's been better in the league other than obviously Harden and maybe De Bruyne. I think he's been phenomenal. Like, I mean, I think people just quickly grown accustomed to the fact that he's playing really well. But forgetting that he's been, he hasn't just been good for Arsenal. I think it's been that's been the narrative. Oh, you know, he's turned around his arsenal career, but he's been absolutely unbelievable in pretty much every game. Yeah. From the first minute to the last. Like he's just been it's insane the turnaround from even this time last season to and he was very good towards the end of the season. He's probably our best player, I would say, in the last, maybe from January onwards, but he just kept on that form and just picked it up in another however many years it's just been unbelievable. I'd say maybe he's our most important player right now. I would just say j because we have no one that can fill his boots, I don't think. But yeah, I think Jack has just been, it's, a bit, it's incredible.
2: Yeah, Xhaka has been. It, 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 it is, I mean, he gave the ball away once. In, yeah, he did. In the, he did. In the I, did game. I did say
1: I mean, the, problem is, yeah. the problem is we have, <laughs> I'd say four players that are very, maybe five, include Ramsdale, but four players in our centre-backs and Xhaka and Party, who are who seem to love giving the other team an opportunity to score, Gabriel is the worst culprit. Actually, Jacker. That's what I mean. You can't. It's difficult. Saliba's given away a penalty and scored their own goal, so he seems to have got, got in on the act quite quickly. But uh, other than that, those four again have just been fantastic.
2: But Xhaka, Adam, you're, Rick is right, isn't he? It, it, and it has been that, isn't it? Been that like tweak to his position, which you, again, which Arteta. Has to take massive credit for, doesn't it? Just kind of giving him that more advanced role um, that he has. But he, he's, but he is everywhere as well. He was absolutely everywhere against Forests, and he is just the best. He's just the most improved player in in history of Arsenal. I just can't think of any other example. He's, he's it's
3: yeah. I think I think he's been absolutely superb, and I think kind of what Ricky just spoke to, you're going of speaks. You know, he's saying he can't quite decide who who the best player is. Shows how far we've come, and I actually kind of thought that looking at all those goals we scored but they were goals of like real real technical quality um the the first Nelson goal it really didn't know that like we were going anywhere and then Jesus know to just just work it brilliantly for him um, and I know you said you wanted to talk about in Iemory it kind of really did show to me how far we've come since the days of having players like Pepe Joe with and Macazette that was just kind of the, like a transformed side and and and, and Xhaka, you know is one constant from that era but the way that kind of I think it helps playing in a proper team with a proper system, you can just look like a much, much better footballer. And he really has been excellent throughout the season. And I never quite saw it coming. I I sort of used to look at him and Nacazette and say these are the two who were signed when we played Champions League every single season. And we've never qualified for the Champions League with either of them. And we still haven't qualified for the Champions League, which I granted. No. But this season, it looks like we will do, and maybe that's a sign of he you know, it was Lacazette who was the problem
2: all along. Um, no, don't say um, that. No, no. <laughs> um, Jacker was, Jacques, the transformation is the transformation because back then he was a liability regularly. I mean, we can't airbrush history, you know, whereas Lacazette may have had his issues, but he wasn't as much of a liability as Jacker. I feel. Like, he was limited. He had his limitations. There were times when Lacazette, I mean, you don't need to rake over this whole ground again, but there were times where Lacazette was ungrateful and was, you know, but anyway. Uh, but more importantly... About Unai Emery, do you feel like, here's my question, right? Because if you remember Unai Emery, new manager of Aston Villa, some would say that's, that's you know, his level. I don't know if that wanted, wanted to be too disrespectful to Aston Villa or Unai Emery. But it's astonishing to think, isn't it, that when Unai Emery was given the job, Arteta was heavily in contention. It was kind of. I think it was down to the two of them. And they were definitely like both interviewed, and you know, a lot of people thought that Arteta would get it, and it was slightly surprising. I think at the time that Unai Emery got it over him. Do, do you think if if Arteta had got the job back then when they gave it to Emery, I wonder. Do you think like we'd be in a completely different position now, like even more ahead of where we are now, or do you feel like somehow this? I mean, we can never know. I'm I'm, I'm asking you to imagine history rewritten, but I think it's an interesting question. You know, do you think like? Actually, we needed to go through what we went through with the NRM to get to where we are now.
3: I think I think we were definitely more patient with Arteta because of having been through the, the through the Emory thing already. I mean, it's obviously hard to say what would have happened in the COVID in the kind of full, full COVID season um, if fans had been in the stadium and maybe the results would have been different but I think that run of form we went on from September to December 2020 if those had been the actual results with fans in the stadium or we scored whatever it was like two goals in three months there's no way he would have survived um um so, so kind of you know maybe it's a bit of a moot point but I, uh I I think yeah he might have been helped out and getting a bit of time through the through the Emery debacle equally I do think Emery took a club backwards a very very long way and so Arteta had to start from a much lower uh, starting point in terms of the players he had available how they've been coached you know what they were ready to do that sort of thing um so I I think he still would have done a good job also no he got like another what two years learning off Pep who Mm -hmm. um regardless of what I might say about his hairline is clearly a great coach um so I I don't know I find it very hard to say I I think he he would definitely have done better than Emery i go I'll go that
2: far yeah, what, how, what did you feel when you heard that um, Aston Villa was getting you an IMRI?
3: Well, it's weird to have another team who you suddenly have to hate in the Premier League. But, um, <laughs> uh, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. He's incredible, isn't he, Greg? Because he is a widely respected, you know, slash, and certainly in, in European competition successful manager slash coach it yeah, was just I, a terrible fit for us wasn't it
1: i think when when at the top of the show when you introduced adam as uh i think it was controversial on twitter i had a quick had a quick look and i only had to see his post from i think it was yesterday to to know that i was going to agree with everything he said because his picture was emery out so <laughs> yeah. i was i was fully on board from uh from that straight away i i again i i've had to climb down massively over Granite Jack, and I'll do the same over at Mikel Arteta because I was very happy for him to be relieved of his duties as well. Which, yeah, obviously, I'm uh, whether I'm regretting or not, but I'm yeah, happily, happily climbed down on that one. Um, but you know, I guess we're still only in we're still, well, we, November tomorrow, so it's early days anyway. I think that Unai will not do well at Aston Villa. I think he's probably suited to Spain. I would be very surprised if you know. And any Arsenal fan at any point soon is regretting swapping managers, not just because we're doing well, but I just, my hunch is that he won't do a good job there. I wouldn't say, wouldn't you, you wouldn't wouldn't use the word despise, but I wasn't far off (laughs) feeling those feelings when he was managing Arsenal. It was, I can't really think of many good times. So yeah, very happy to see the back of him. And I don't know if I agree with Adam. I don't necessarily have to hate as Villa. I don't have any ill feeling towards Emery. I just didn't want him to be the Arsenal manager. So, yeah, yeah. I, right I slightly out. feel I sorry
2: know. for them because unless he's improved his communication skills, then that's going to still going to be um, a big issue, I feel. Yeah, I'm sure
1: many Arsenal fan are waiting for his first evening yes.
2: press conference. Yes, exactly. Yes, indeed. Adam, do you think, um, were you ever Arteta out, by the way, Adam? Were you staunchly supportive of Arteta through thick and thin, through the kind of that time you talked about when, you know, we weren't scoring and we were playing pretty terrible football?
3: I thought he should go then, and I sort—I yeah. you know, sort of do regret that now. But at the same time, you look back at it, and there was nothing in the performances to suggest that we were about to get better. And he just kept on picking Withian when it was kind of inexplicable. Oh, God, because, yeah. who, 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 incidentally, apparently is doing very well. For
1: yeah, he is apparently.
3: Um, yeah, but um. So it was kind of hard to see how it was going to get better. But I suppose the thing is, and this was the one thing he really had in his favour, he never really seemed to lose the dressing room in a way which coaches who were doing badly mm. seemed to. They all The players were always with him throughout. And I know it's kind of easy to say that now, but you didn't really get, apart from Ozil briefing the press and a lot of stuff, you know, people saying, oh, we think this guy's a terrible coach. The players were always super supportive and always spoke super positively of him. Um, but I did, for a time, definitely think um, think his time was
1: up. Yeah. Well, the one thing I would, I would say, maybe just so if all does go wrong, you can come back to this moment and say, see Ricky did suggest this, but
2: mm.
1: we have spent a huge amount of money. Arteta has been backed, I'd say a lot a lot better than Emery, and they've both been backed a lot better than Wenger, I think, but maybe that's opening up a can of worms, which we needn't bother mm. opening. But Arteta has a, has had a lot of money thrown at this squad. His, I think a, a lot of the players currently playing for us did not play under Unai Emery which goes to show that the turnover in, in the squad in such a short amount of time. So that, that, does, that does speak volumes and you'd expect us to do a lot better based on the money we've spent, but I think it's what's been crucial. And again, I, don't, I have absolutely zero idea as to how much uh, say Arteta has in the signings. Some might say a lot, some might say, if I really have no idea, but the signings we made recently have been really good. Like I know I spoke earlier about Vieira and whether, you know, again, it's early days, but whether he'll come good, but our signings have been brilliant like if you look across the team nearly every player in that team other than really Saka um yeah I guess really it's just Saka that hasn't hasn't been signed I know Smith-Rose obviously injured moment but and Nketia, but we um you know they've all been signed and they've <laughs> if you if you had to pick our best player so far this season I think you could easily put five names in the hat and that mm-hmm. goes that speaks volumes
2: yeah, recruitment has been... I think he's pretty... Heavy. I think he's like... It, 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 you feel like definitely he's in the the, the the team, the group, that does work out who to sign, doesn't he? I think, I believe, you know, from all or nothing, you could kind of gather that. And from what I hear, from what football journalists say, he is manager, isn't he, of course, rather than just a coach. So I think he's definitely involved in all the decision-making to a large extent across the board. So I think he has to get him and Edu... And, you know, Vinai and all of them have to take a lot of credit. I mean, it is extraordinary to think, isn't it, Adam, generally, that the club is being run. It feels like it almost could not be being run better, can we say? And, you know, you've still got the Cronkies own the club. And, you know, people, a lot of fans still deeply resent them and the whole Super League Farag and all of that. But actually, the way the club's being run right now, it feels like what, what can we complain about?
3: Yeah, I quite agree. We saw Cedric come off the bench Yesterday, which I think was his first um, first appearance of the season, and that and he sort of feels like the last real throwback to the, yeah. the previous administration and the mistakes that were made. And you know, don't get me wrong, I'd love to see him gone. But if the worst <laughs> thing we're having to see is him coming on when we're five 0 up against Forest, I can kind of cope with it and and, and deal with it. And yet, yeah, it does feel like like the club is much better run, and you can see that in the in the supporters too. I've got a couple of silver memberships as well as as well as my season ticket and. Um, my brother's coming back to London for Christmas. so I was trying to sort out some tickets to the West Ham game. And even if you log on as soon as the game goes on sale, it's almost impossible to get a pair of tickets now, such as like level of demand. Um, like the club has, you know, the, the, the club has been run well and supporters are clearly like fully on side, um, which is great. And you know, happy days. And um, it's kind of great to come on this podcast and just be super positive about the club and the direction we're going in it's really great after quite a long time where you could question that.
2: Completely, yeah. We should we should mention um, Pablo Mari. That horrendous um, story of him being stabbed, and um, it was really I thought it was brilliant the way they the, they celebrated the goal with with the, with the um, shout out for him and the big photo at the end of the game. But that is an extraordinary story, isn't it? The whole Pablo Mari uh, thing It's just kind of unbelievable.
0: Yeah.
2: Know, was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, say, to don't say any more about that. Yeah. I just thought <laughs> we should acknowledge it. I thought we should acknowledge it. Um, well, let's, let's uh, look forward to um, predictions. Uh, we've got some very interesting games coming up. The um, Zurich game, I guess now we feel we should, we need to win to top the group, and topping the group is important, isn't it, for various reasons. Um, Ricky, what do you think is going to happen in that game?
1: 3 0, Reese Nelson hat trick. <laughs> I
2: fear not taking predictions seriously. Oh,
1: okay, fine. 3-0 will <laughs> share the goals around the team.
2: Okay. You don't have to predict who's going to score. That is an additional element. But I'm sure Neil, who's a fan of the show, must love the prediction element as much as anything because it is the only thing that separates this Arsenal podcast from all the others, let's face it. And, and us, of course. Adam, what do you think is going to happen on uh, Thursday?
3: I think Zurich are very limited side. Uh,
2: let's say 4-0. 4-0. Fantastic. And the really tough one, I feel, is the Chelsea game, um, which is an early kickoff on Sunday, isn't it? I believe. Yeah. 12. So BT Sport, 12 noon kickoff, <laughs> intriguingly. Um, I feel like this is uh, but, uh, my prediction for the, because it obviously really matters for the, uh, for the, European, the Zurich game, is I'm going to say 3 1. I think we might randomly let in a goal. I don't know why. But the Chelsea game, I have no idea what's going to happen. Do you, Adam? <laughs> Because they lost massively. They were doing quite well. They lost massively against Brighton. Maybe that's just because of the manager factor and all that. I don't know. What do you think?
0: I fancy
3: a high-scoring game. I can see them getting at us a bit, but I also feel like they're they've got. I don't know. Sorry, you want a quick answer? I'm going to say two-one Arsenal. No, 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 it doesn't. You you can take
2: as long as you want. (laughs) Go on.
3: I'm going to go two-one Arsenal.
2: Okay. Okay, Ricky.
1: Yeah, I'm confident. It's not. I don't think it's the fact that Graham Potter doesn't know his best teams. Best team, he just loves to rotate. And I think, whilst you know, that's their first loss. I think in the first loss at all under his reign on Saturday. I think I think we'll win. Um, I think we'll just bring with confidence. We would have hopefully had a week's rest because I'm hoping that he plays a you know a relaxed team if you want to call it that on Thursday. Um although I think they're also through maybe top of their group already or at least they're through in the Champions League so
0: hmm.
3: yeah
1: I think I'll we'll win I'll go uh I'll go 2-1 as well can I copy Adam I feel like we've had very similar opinions across the podcast so I'll, I'll stick with that
2: that's allowed yeah that's allowed yeah. Um I'm going to go for new, I'm going to sit on the fence and go for a draw I think it'll be yeah 2-1 and Aubameyang boy what's, what's... yeah he'll probably okay. score he um, I guess he probably will get booed. Don't yeah,
1: he? I mean, if Graham wants to booed at Bryson, then I'm pretty certain about me. Yeah, Andy yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Stanford Bridge.
2: I don't know. I never boo anyone, but do you think will you be booing him, Adam? I feel you've got a booing in you. Like you know, you probably I, boo someone. I
3: mean, I I don't really love booing players who didn't do a lot wrong in leaving the club. Like I've never quite got the booing Emmy Martinez thing either. No,
1: I uh, think no. no. sorry.
2: Emmy Martinez
1: yeah it's a bit strange
2: yeah that is weird yeah that is weird
1: because
2: he didn't have any much you know he was like what, what do we expect him to do but, yeah, but fans like,
1: boo if they're, nil, if they're drawing near at half time. so yeah boo everything
2: yeah suppose fans I think, are booing Spurs when they, and they're still what, are they still third I think they're still third aren't
1: they? anyway. yeah I mean yeah. Aubameyang will get booed the only uh, if, if he'd signed for almost any other club I could probably stomach it but yeah you know Chelsea Spurs and probably United you know I'm going to probably boo you Just it's a bit of fun isn't it I don't know Oh, you I'll, are going I'll, to boo him to his face. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'll be at the ground, you know, I, and I imagine he'll, yeah, I'll probably boo him. But I, 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 I always liked him. Yeah. I was always yeah, a big fan. I like, I like, I been, like maybe, him. Yeah, I wish we would have kept him. I think, you know, maybe if we had him last season. We may well have finished fourth. But he now plays for Chelsea, and therefore, I'm happy to give him a bad, bad news.
2: Yeah, I, I, I still like him. Yeah, there's he, there's this documentary on Netflix. I don't think you've seen it called um, "Captains," which is about. Different captains of of national teams and trying to get to a cup, and he's he's so likable in it. I have to say, isn't yeah, it? Uh,
1: he was from his like one. I do like yeah. him, but just for ninety minutes, I'll I'll do it. Yeah, probably. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh, Adam, Ricky, it's been a joy as ever. Uh, thank you very much uh, for coming. And yeah, it's 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 extraordinary to be positive and happy, isn't it? About, I mean, finally, I guess before we leave, let's let's give a final. Do we think? Do are we all now? I'm I'm now feeling that. It would be, we we can't throw this away now. Like, in terms of top four, I'm not saying we're going to, I'm not saying we're going to win the league. I think we will, I think we could well stay in competition with Man City, considering that Liverpool thing of how terrible Liverpool are for quite a few, quite a few, quite a while in this season. I don't, I I just don't, I'm not that worried about dropping off drastically. So I feel like we, I would be amazed now if we don't qualify for the
1: Champions League.
2: How do you feel about that?
1: Is is it bad to admit that I was probably more annoyed at Kevin De Bruyne scoring than I was about, first uh, yeah. uh, scoring in the last minute
2: yeah yeah same yeah I mean I was really annoyed about a in the last minute to be fair yeah because that was
1: yeah that was annoying. Well, I, I had a feel I thought City might slip up and you know
2: yeah
1: Arsenal's top of the league I'll you know want us to obviously but you know, I think we can win it obviously we won't but top four isn't as it's not as The top four isn't, doesn't feel exciting when you're two points clear going into November is that weird yeah I don't know. I
2: don't know, yeah. Adam, do you think, is there, are we still capable of throwing this away?
3: I'd be very disappointed if we didn't finish in the top four now. And I know that like, we're only a kind of short way into the season, but it feels like we've got a bit of a buffer. kind of feels yeah. like you could have a run of games that we had last year when we lost at home to Brighton and lost to Palace or whatever. Um, and it also just feels like we're a lot better than the bad teams now, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, we never used to really hammer anyone. Um Beating I think Forrest had conceded two goals in four games and we we beat them 5-0, like, extremely convincingly. Like no penalties and you know, they'd never red card or anything like that. I think there's a lot to sit there and go, this team has kicked on to another level. It should easily be gone the final for the Champions League, particularly given the issues some of the other clubs face.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. I mean, we're ten points ahead of Chelsea, I'm just looking at, which I didn't even realise. Yeah. You know, we're even Spurs, like with five points ahead with a game in hand. Where I mean the the gap between us and Liverpool is fucking unreal. I mean that's you know that is just amazing. So yeah, I mean it would be it would take a major commitment to throwing things away if we if we didn't at least reach the top four. Thank you. As I, I am definitely thanking you now for the end of the podcast, uh, Ricky and Adam, you've been brilliant as ever, and we'll be back this time next week. Cheers, bye.